Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Todd Schlosser! Yay! We have got an amazing episode for you this week, and we are very blessed to be joined by Todd J. Awesome, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. Todd Locksmith. Yes. The J is for phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, who has, for some reason, forgiven us for tricking him so badly <laughs> on, our, on our very transparent episode of uh, uh, the April Fool's version. That of still Cold got Podcast. people, though. I love yeah. how he vaguely calls me dumb in the intro. <laughs> in our very easily discoverable prank episode that he did not get until we revealed it. Todd, I don't know what you expect. In this episode of Cult Podcast, it takes maybe six minutes before I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fuck your mom, Todd. That is true. My mom takes it this episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just because we know she can get it. (laughs) But before we get into it, we have got some news and reviews. Uh, The first piece of news is that we have a Patreon that is releasing new content all the time. Yay! Yay! Yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast. Check out all of the tiers and rewards that we have there for just $5 a month. You get bonus content all the time. And we also have like a little library of the old bonus content we had. And I've seen a lot of people asking about Speculation Zone episodes. Those are coming in on the way. Um, we're just trying to rack up a few as we sort of... You know, go through the uh, little bit of growing pains that we're having. Not not anything bad, but we are hiring people, uh, bringing on new members. So, you know, we're just trying to make sure that we do this sustainably and that we didn't, you know, it was a lot easier to run a Patreon when you didn't, when it was like 25 people giving you money yeah. instead of uh That's something we've been dealing with too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and... It was easier when we were in person yes. and we could just record them at the same time we were recording regular episodes. So much easier. Yeah. 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 Now it's just, oh my God, is it, is it, is it a lot? But we are working to fix it and make it more sustainable. Uh, that again is patreon.com slash cult podcast. Um, if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show, might we suggest Rooster Tea? Every time. Uh, Rooster Teeth is a great place with a lot of really cool content, a bunch of awesome podcasts, and live streaming basically all the fucking time. You can get Rooster Teeth's app on a bunch of your devices, like your Roku television, Amazon Fire Stick, and your Xbox, or you can go to the website roosterteeth.com. Um, and finally, we have a five-star review. Uh, this one comes to us from Kay Thompson, and they say, No! Arkansas deserves to be roasted next. <laughs> Are you just going to go through state by state? Your wish is my command. <laughs> Fuck you, Arkansas. You're spelled Arkansas. We already got a Kansas. We don't need your weird spelled ass. Come at me, Arkansas. Yeah. Fuck you, Arkansas. Uh, they say, I absolutely love this podcast, plus romancing the pod and horror version. Oh, why, thank you. Oh, That's yay. so kind. Thank you. You are one of the few podcasts that make me laugh out loud on my long trek to work every morning. And while I sympathize with the reviewer in Florida, Arkansas has pulled ahead of them in the race to the bottom (laughs) with the last three anti-trans bills introduced and passed by the Arkansas legislature and three more coming up. Now Florida can say, hey, at least we're not Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) And neither of you are Mississippi. Good job, guys. <laughs> no, I like Mississippi. Uh, you guys rock. Keep doing God's work. Love, Karen. Oh, no. Well, it's fine. You're the one good Karen. She's we'll one of the that. good Karens. Yeah. 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 You're one of the good ones. Uh, I think without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. 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 <laughs> I knew my I knew my part this time. Don't drink the cool 
the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Todd Schlosser! Yay! We had Todd on for a fake episode, so now we're having him on for a real episode. Yeah, what movie are we talking about today? I can't wait. Uh, today is Children of the Corn. <laughs> Before we move any further, Todd, I need to... I need to tell you something. Uh, I need you to look into your camera so I can look into your eyes. I'm um, looking deep. I'm looking this deep. This isn't a fucking movie, Todd. <laughs> right? Everything that we're talking about today, I know that I know you were here for that fucking April Fool's bullshit, but this is real fucking life. Everything that we're talking about today actually fucking happened. Yeah, we'll see, Mondo. We'll see. I now have trust issues from the last time I was on the show. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you and all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had previous guests who are like, I'm never coming on your show in April. Just like at all. Like, fuck that whole month for you. I'm never trusting you again. And this one's coming out in April, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't wait to talk about this movie. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Yes, it is. uh, It's my week. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, And uh, this week we are covering a group called Tensegrity and its leader, Carlos Castaneda. Okay. Ooh. Awesome. Did yeah. you say tensegrity? Tense gritty. Tensegrity? Tensegrity. It's spelled like tense and then gritty. Like the gritty reboot of being tense. Wow. Don't Google it, Todd. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. This is just gone with the wind. How dare you? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say if the tenets of whatever this cult is start with, I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair, I'm out. <laughs> uh so i'm taking it that neither of you are familiar with carlos castaneda no no okay interesting interesting if you don't remember carlos castaneda ask your parents and they will 100 percent remember carlos castaneda this story was fucking huge and it is absolutely buck wild and so for this uh this is part one in a two-part series oh is it yeah oh cool part one in a two-part series where we will be covering the entire story because it was so fucking wild that i could not possibly fit everything into one episode uh and so before we get started i do want to go over my sources um now there's less sources on this episode and we will have more sources on the next episode uh but this week, we have a BBC documentary on Carlos Castaneda. Thanks, Pornhub, for that one. Yeah. Wait, BBC, what? It's, a bi- it's a big black cock documentary. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the best one. Yeah. Uh, we also have a New York Times article on Carlos by Pete Applebaum. Um, and then finally, we have Carlos Castaneda's series of books that we will get into in just a little bit. Why does it seem like a lot of cult like leaders have written or go on to write books? Because it's not hard to do, Todd. I don't know if you know, I wrote a ridiculous book. Yeah. Anyone can write a book. I mean, my mom wrote a book, so... See? <laughs> yeah. Todd's mom and Paige are both like examples that if you get horny enough, you can write a book. <laughs> I don't know if that's I mean, the motivation yeah, behind no, my mom's no, 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 book, no, no, no. but I mean, we can go yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm I'm on board for that being canon on the cult podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your mom is horny as hell, Todd. <laughs> no, it's a book. It's a book about death. Yeah, it's a book about like how to prepare a space for yours or a love de- love person's death. Yeah, and step one is to fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> I like the cut of your mom's jib. Todd. <laughs> I mean, I can show you a picture. She's a pretty lady, I guess. <laughs> it's getting upsetting. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not going to stop you from having sex with my mom. Like you, I think <laughs> I think that's what you wanted me to do. And like, listen, if she's game and everyone's consenting, I'm. It's whatever, man. Have fun. Oh my god, this isn't a movie, Todd. I'm gonna fuck the 
Todd is as free with his mom as he is with his credit card info. Which, by the way, this was not, we weren't recording yet, but somebody sent us a bunch of copies of Remember Me pretending that they did it with Todd's credit yeah. card. And it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. Paige oh sent God. me a message like, hey, thanks for the Remember Me DVDs. And I was like, what? I didn't send you anything. So, yeah, that was amazing. Whoever did that, well done. And you owe me thirty-five fifty from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for putting your credit card up during a live stream. Yeah, that's on me. I apologize. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome if you want to see me play horror games. Or steal or steal his credit <laughs> yeah, 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 card yeah, yeah. info. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bu- buy yourself something nice. I'm using personally, I'm using your card to buy your mom flowers, Todd. Nice. <laughs> I like how because Mother's Day is approaching. It's classy yeah. from you and me. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to talk about this movie? Let's do it. I do. <laughs> Not a movie, Todd. Everything that happens in this episode happened in real life. Please and thank you. Just like he's going to in real life fuck your mom. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even a threat. It's a it's a promise. I mean, my mom might hold you to that. Well, <laughs> I'll hold your mom. I'm so sorry. This got too deep too fast. That's uh, what she's going to say. That's what your mom I said, Tom. I beat you to it. Too I beat you to it. Fast. I beat you to it. Listen to the edit. I beat you to it. I love that I am outweirding you with my own mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good approach. If yeah. it's it's really fucking up my old boy. I know it, it really does. You can tell I was bullied in school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna have to throw a trigger warning on this episode <laughs> for some straight up bullying. Um I wanna take you both back in time for a moment, way back to an era long forgotten by history, a time that most of us wish that we could forget. Spring of 2003. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a weird time for all of us. Yeah, Sugar uh, Ray was big. It was, a, it was a dark time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 50 Cent's In the Club was topping the charts. Theaters were playing the cinematic masterpiece Agent Cody Banks to literally <laughs> dozens of people. <laughs> yeah. All right. And yet somehow things were darker than we knew. In Death Valley, California... Two hikers made a gruesome discovery. And remember, this is back when people thought that wearing fedoras was acceptable, so you know that it has to be fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, I do. That is pretty gruesome. Mm -hmm. You're right. (laughs) In the middle of nowhere, deep in the desert, these hikers came across human remains. The pile of bones and shreds of clothing told them that something terrible had happened. But no one could have imagined that this body was the macabre finale in the confusing and troubled story of a man named Carlos Castaneda. I actually do remember this news story, uh, but it didn't seem as serious because it was 2003 and they kept introducing it as some bodies in Death Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh my god. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Did they say in like the wreckage of the body if his if if his mouth was smashed? (laughs) I just wanna die. That's that's Sugar Ray. That's Sugar Sugar Ray. Ray. Well done. I see what you did there, and I appreciate your commitment to the bit. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So Carlos Castaneda was born in Cajamarca, Peru on Christmas Day, 1925. And I got to say, this is probably pretty ass as far as birthdays go. Oh, yeah. It is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely You do not get double presents. No. No, I'm born January 11th, and I- a lot of the time just got one single like here's your fucking present this is all you get <laughs> yeah they like pretend it's like more expensive than like a regular christmas gift so we're going to do it for both and it's like you bought me three copies of remember me <laughs> <laughs> with my own credit card in my own dojo yeah well to be fair you shouldn't have put it up on the internet for everyone to see i feel like there are lessons to learn for our all parties involved yeah i mean absolutely yeah, yeah. The second lesson is buy a better movie. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, that's why it was so great. Yeah, no, that is the movie to buy. Because here's the thing. I bet DVDs of Remember Me are like two or three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can stream it everywhere, and it's a terrible movie. Like, you shouldn't even pay nothing for it. <laughs> 
Also, I, I just want to point this out. One, uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, I had a friend who shared a birthday with a popular kid who was uh, also at my elementary school. And one year they threw a party on the same Saturday and everyone chose to go to the popular kids party, mostly because it was at a laser tag place. I'd have gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, if you're wondering how you become popular in elementary school, popularity is measured by how likely your friendship will end up in laser tag. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. It. Yeah. It's measured by how rich your parents are. Yes. Yeah, exactly. As a kid who grew, <laughs> grew up in almost poverty. Yeah. That That is why I was Hell not yeah, popular. Hell yeah, Todd. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Thank you, Mondo. <laughs> uh but that so everyone showed up to this other kid's party and it was really like it kind of fucked my buddy up for a while but imagine if the popular kid at your school that everyone was celebrating instead of you was jesus christ our lord and savior (laughs) no one's gonna go to your birthday party because god can invent laser tag all right no one cares about you anymore oh man the richest dad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's when it comes to like things your dad can procure for you you can't be the buying power of Yahweh. No. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I like how Armando's idea was of God was like on the eighth day he created laser tag. Yeah. <laughs> well, he needed the light first, and then he needed that rest, and then he needed a sick ass like day to himself. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's God's yeah, yeah. day. On the ninth day he created mini golf. <laughs> Tenth day he created houses, and that's why we shouldn't camp. There you go. Anyway, so Carlos was a Peruvian born in 1931. But what's weird is that anyone who knew him said that he was born in 1925 in Brazil because, surprise, he lied about his age and his birthplace. What? That's so weird, right? For, like, a a cult leader to lie? Yeah. He was born on Christmas. Is he going to try and tell people he's Jesus? (laughs) No, he's not. Also, what I think is funny is the thing he didn't change was his actual birthday. He (laughs) still said that he was born on Christmas Day. Yeah, like, make it in June or something, or, like, February. Like, closer actually to, like, Jesus' birth, like, in June or July? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. April is what I've heard from from research, but yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, you guys are right though. This is pretty standard cult leadership, but I do have a theory on why he did it. Uh, so Carlos came to America around 1955 from Peru and Peru and America, these two countries were pretty cool with each other. Uh, at least as cool as a country and it's semi bully can be, I guess. But heading into the 1960s, things were starting to get tense. Not only were there rumors of a military coup being planned, but also the group's general did not love all of the American military bases on his soil. It kind of pissed him off. So I think, and we're heading into the speculation zone here, but I think that he told people he was a 24-year-old Brazilian college student because it sounded a little bit better than being a 30-year-old unemployed dude from a country that we would be invading in the next few years. Plus, dudes love Brazilians. Yeah. (laughs) Well. I'm sorry. When you're right, you're right, Paige. I mean, it is what it is. You can't fight with fact. (laughs) So either way, once Carlos arrived in America, he found it pretty easy to assimilate. He picked up English very quickly. He became a naturalized citizen in 1957. And in 1958, he enrolled at UCLA as an anthropology student. And on top of that, he even had himself a little family. In 1960, he married his wife, Margarita, and adopted her son as his own. And according to his adopted son, Carlos treated the boy like his own flesh and blood. He was, by all accounts, a loving husband, an attentive father, and a great student of anthropology. But even still, he was nervous. And maybe it was the normal stress of being a college student, or maybe it was the fact that he was secretly six years older than all of his peers... But Carlos felt like he had something to prove. So in order to stand out, he decided to specialize in researching something unique. Native Mexican shamanism. If you're interested in shamanism, I'd check out our episodes on voodoo and ghost dance for a full refresher. But in order to give the quickest rundown possible, let's just go over the basics. So shamans were seen as healers and leaders with a deep connection to the earth. 
which is pretty important, seeing as how the native people of modern-day North America believe that nature is controlled by both ancient spirits and the souls of our ancestors. Each plant, each rock, and every element is a living being that can be appeased through ritual. The role of a shaman is to help their community. They concoct medicine for the sick, they make offerings before harvest, and even occasionally dance to make it rain. Everything that they do is for the betterment of their tribe. They are a leader in their community. To be fair, most of the time when people dance and make it rain, it's for the betterment of their tribe. (laughs) (laughs) In the 1960s, anthropologists had a basic understanding of shamanism. They may have been a little fuzzy on the finer details, but they did understand the core concept. So studying the subject wasn't very special. But what set Carlos apart at least according to his classmates, was his ethnic background. Because everybody at UCLA thought that he was Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, white people be white people, and that is how we do. I was going to say that when he changed from Peruvian, which I think is how you say that, forgive me, to Brazilian. Yeah. Like, no one's going to know the difference in the States because we're all really dumb. Oh, yeah, especially in Los Angeles, California, where if you're brown, you are just Mexican now. That's all you get to be. Yeah, one of my best friends in high school was from uh, Cuba, and he was... He, like, really taught me a lot about, like, they get really upset when you say, oh, Mexican, when you're, like, you're from Cuba or you're from Peru or whatever. Like, so he, like, sat me down. I was like, Todd, you cannot be this stupid and be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So, Frank, thank you so much for teaching me all that stuff. That was amazing. Wait, I want to imagine you back then as a child and just being like, oh, so you're one of them Cuban Mexicans, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I met a Peruvian Mexican the other day. He's a very nice man. He, um, yeah, he was very, very kind to me because I was very, very dumb at him. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a coworker who uh, is originally from Brazil, and you should definitely know the difference, at least between Brazil and Peru, because they speak completely different languages. Yeah, one's Portuguese, one's Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He speaks Absolutely. fluent Portuguese. So I don't know if Carlos told people that he was Mexican because he super did tell people he was Brazilian. But it kind of came up a lot in the documentary that I watched, that BBC documentary. Yeah. A lot of the people that were interviewed described him as a Mexican man. They thought that that is why he chose to study the subject, because he had a connection to his own ancestors, the Mexican natives. So basically everyone just assumed he was Mexican and that was the entire reason he was studying the Mexican natives and their like religious practices. I mean, that sounds like Los Angeles. It, I mean, like, if I had a nickel for every time yeah. someone was just like, the Mexicans sweeping gesture, and you have to be like, actually, so-and-so is from El Salvador, so-and-so is from Guatemala. Like, yeah. these are different places. And while it's easy to make fun of him for switching up his nationality so much, I think there's another reasonable explanation here. As we've covered, I think people in L.A. assumed he was Mexican, and he just kind of went along with it because it gave him an edge when it came to looking like an expert. In fact, in the documentary, there's an interview with Carlos's wife where she says that his professor was tired of the same old bullshit. He didn't want to hear about stuff his students copied from books. He wanted something real. So the professor promised Carlos that if he went out to Mexico and interviewed a real tribe of native Mexicans, he would have a guaranteed A. Oh, no. So in May of 1960, Carlos kissed his wife and son goodbye, hopped in his Volkswagen bug, and headed down south old Mexico way. He was going to learn about shamanism firsthand, and he promised not to come back home until he did. So Carlos drove through the summer heat and the scorching desert to the northern Mexican state of Sonora, home to a tribe of native Mexicans called the Yaqui. He chose them because they had a considerably different view on the world compared to neighboring tribes. But as we learned from our Mandela Effect episode, their views might not be too far off from reality. So the Yaqui people believe that the universe is composed of overlapping worlds or dimensions that exist right next to each other. Oh, so multiverse theory. Yeah, sort of. Some of these worlds are obvious, like the world underwater or the world of the sky, that are just different planes of being that we as humans cannot readily access because we don't have gills or fucking wings or shit. Right. But on top of that, there are 
also different worlds uh, like the Enchanted World and the Dream World. And these more ethereal planes of existence run parallel to our own, but are rarely seen by the human eye. But Carlos didn't really give a shit about any of that. In his mind, their unique take on the world meant that they might have an even more unique take on shamanism. And writing about a previously undocumented ritual would make for one hell of a thesis. So it was purely because he wanted to get ahead in his like academic career. Sure. Right. From the moment he arrived and started asking questions, he was told that if he wanted to understand the Yaqui rituals, he needed to talk to a shaman by the name of Don Juan Matus. The only problem is that Don Juan was a hard man to get a hold of. <laughs> I do hear yeah. a shaman uh, schedule is very hard to get on. It is. It is. Yeah. Especially if your name is something as fucking cool as Don Juan. Are you Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? No. When you said he, he was hard to get a hold of, I was like, yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real Don Juan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hey, do any of you know where Don Juan is? And all the natives were like, "Yes, he's um, he's at Todd's mom's house." <laughs> <laughs> Don Juan Fox, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the shaman was a recluse. He didn't talk to many outsiders, and he never seemed to stay in one place for very long. It took Carlos weeks to track him down, and when he did, it led him to a bus station in the small border town of Nogales, Arizona. Uh, so sitting on a bench, patiently awaiting his bus, was a single, stoic native man wearing all black. Carlos approached the man and immediately bombarded him with questions. But no matter what he said or asked, Don Juan never replied. And according to Carlos... He could see the reason in the man's eyes. There was no need for communication. He had come here looking for the perfect subject. His goal was to write about the principles of Yaqui shamanism. But really, he was trying to get ahead in the world. He wanted to use the knowledge that Don Juan held for personal gain, and the shaman wouldn't let him. So Carlos fell silent until Don Juan's bus arrived. The shaman got up without a word, stepped onto his bus, and drove off, leaving the anthropology student stunned. But in that moment, Carlos realized something important. Don Juan held ancient knowledge that he would never learn if he continued to think like an anthropologist. And like we covered earlier, anthropologists knew the basics of shamanism, but they all regarded it as like a cultural practice or a religion held by the native people. They didn't see it as something with real world repercussions. It was just sort of a thing that you did to have ties to your culture. But Carlos had felt something real at that bus station. Don Juan radiated knowledge and wisdom. There was something mystical about the old man. And he started thinking to himself, what if the Yaqui were onto something real? And that's the moment that Carlos decided that he wouldn't think of shamanism as an academic study. He would take it seriously and treat it with the respect that it deserved. Feeling suddenly overcome with determination, he hopped into his VW bug and took off after the bus. And after following Don Juan home, he confronted the old man again and confessed his original intent and his new realization. And begrudgingly, the shaman agreed to teach Carlos the rituals of the Yaqui people. And if you ask Carlos, the shaman took him in because he could see the change of heart that he had experienced. But maybe it's because he was a terrifying stalker that followed an old man home. <laughs> yeah. From a fucking bus station in Nogales, Arizona. Oof. And also, at a certain point, if I was the shaman, I would have been like, well, if you were going to follow me, could you have just given me a ride? Like, why'd <laughs> yeah. you make me take the bus? Yeah, man, that shit was 350. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Normally, when two men meet up at a bus stop and then go to a second location together, it's very different type of rituals they're doing. Oh, yeah, totally. And especially yeah. when you can, especially when you use the sentence, he felt something real in that bus station, which is an actual <laughs> sentence that I said earlier. And Don Juan is a hard man to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally wrap your hands around it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Regardless, Don Juan started teaching Carlos about his tribe's unique form of shamanism. I bet he did. <laughs> According to Don Juan, the Yaqui believed that every plant contained a different spirit. But the most powerful spirit of all lived inside of the special little cactus known as peyote. It was said that if you ate the peyote, the ancient spirit would appear to you. Its purpose was to give you the information you most needed at that moment. But the spirit of peyote wasn't always nice. Sometimes its message came in the form of a terrifying vision. Eating the peyote was one of the most sacred rituals in Yaki shamanism, and Carlos was fucking stoked to watch it happen. But Don Juan had other plans. The shaman told Carlos that if he truly wanted to understand the ritual, he had to experience it himself. And this just about made the UCLA student shit his fucking pants, because Carlos was terrified of drugs. Back home, apparently, he was the type of person that never even drank beer. All of his colleagues, his wife, everyone was just like, yeah, I don't know how they convinced him to try it. He was terrified of taking too much ibuprofen. Like, he's not the kind of guy who does drugs. Also, Todd, when I said the kind of guy who wouldn't even touch a beer, you just started pointing to yourself. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I've never had yeah. alcohol. I've never even smoked cigarettes. Like, You've never I, had alcohol in your life? Never. Never yeah. had alcohol. I'm in my 30s. I've never had alcohol in my life. Oh, man. I'm going to trick you into drinking so much alcohol. <laughs> You'll be able to tell immediately. Yeah. Hey, man, do you want some of this lemonade that I got? It's really yeah, it good. Is it's sparkling lemonade. Three in the afternoon at your place. That's fine. <laughs> is rum better? Uh, <laughs> it's weird that you showed me that while doing the perfect Jack uh, Morgan pose. Captain Jack Morgan, right? That's a thing? I don't know. Yeah, this is uh, Sailor Cherry. <laughs> Crafted in honor of Norman Sailor Jerry Collins, father of the old school tattoo. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I don't have any alcoholic beverages within arm's reach of me, and Mondo has two as he takes a long pull out of the rum. <laughs> That's what I call a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> When you said little cactus for a, a hot second, I thought that he just had a small cactus in his home and was like, that guy makes the rules. <laughs> <laughs> just like at the cactus. Well, uh, but then you confirmed that it was peyote. And I was like, oh, I see where this is going. Yeah. No, I, I understand your your thought process, though, because I, like most of everyone, have lived in quarantine for the last several year. And... Uh, <laughs> I can pretty hard relate to a small succulent controlling the whereabouts of my entire life as I plead for it desperately to not fucking die. I take orders from a cat. <laughs> McCready! But Carlos had promised to stop thinking like an anthropologist, and that meant that he had to stop thinking like Carlos Castaneda. So he grabbed the cactus, took a huge bite, and chewed the sacred plant. And it wasn't long before he started tripping the fuck out. Yeah. It started slow. The first hint that things were different was that Don Juan was no longer speaking Spanish. He was now completely fluent in Italian. But Carlos didn't speak Italian, so he couldn't really understand anything that Don Juan was saying except for <laughs> one single phrase, quote, the sharks are very stupid, end quote. <laughs> oh, he must have been a jet. That's a dead giveaway. He was a jet for sure. Yeah. I, I'm just picturing him being like, I'm pretty sure it's Italian. And Don Juan is just like, it's a me. Don Juan. Pizza spaghetti. Lasagna. I just like the thought that like Don Juan was like, the sharks are very stupid. And Carlos was like, hey, man, are you sure about that? And Don Juan was like, who are you going to trust? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like Rappaport again. <laughs> <laughs> Don Juan's just like, yeah, man. Have you have you seen this? <laughs> have you heard the the Deep Lucy episode of Horror Virgin? Man, that's some good <laughs> shit, dude. And then he just followed it up with like a deepest, a bluest, <laughs> <laughs> with the hands like an Italian. 
It's me. Oh my god. I want to see I want to see an Italian shark uh and it's just it's instead of a fin poking out of the water, it's just a hand doing the Italian motion. <laughs> <laughs> Pops out of the water. Anyway, <laughs> So Carlos couldn't explain why, but he seemed to agree with the statement that sharks were very stupid wholeheartedly. It made the most sense to him out of anything he had ever heard. (laughs) And then very suddenly, every memory that Carlos had ever lived through flooded into his head like his life was flashing before his eyes. He saw his childhood in Peru. He saw himself moving to America. He saw his marriage. And then it was gone. Flash! Ah! (laughs) his mind was completely blank and the only thing he could focus on was a creature approaching him from the desert it was a large black dog the canine walked gracefully and confidently towards carlos and he had no idea how to react and before he could decide to do anything the dog suddenly became a pillar of blinding white light, brighter than anything Carlos had ever seen before. And then just as quickly as it appeared, the pillar of light shot up into the sky and disappeared. Man, this behind the music on DMX don't play. <laughs> oh. oh, too DMX. soon. All right, too soon. Gone but not forgotten. Oh, man. The next morning, Carlos woke up and told Don Juan what he had seen, and the shaman was shocked. According to the old man, this was the true image of the spirit of peyote, except it had never revealed itself to a Westerner in this form before. The shaman told his new friend that there was something special about him, and then came the offer. Don Juan told Carlos that if he was willing to take the next step, he would take the student under his wing and make him an apprentice. It would take years to learn everything, but it was the only way to learn the ancient knowledge that the shaman seemed to radiate. And already, even before the job offer, Carlos felt weird about the whole thing. He had broken one of anthropology's biggest rules. He had crossed the line separating the observer from the participant. In his field, this was known as a huge transgression. It's basically like the second most important rule in anthropology. It's like the prime directive in Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, this was the only way to understand the subject of his studies. If he wanted to learn, it had to be from first-hand experience. So he accepted and began his four-year training with the Yaqui shaman, Don Juan Matus. I'm majoring in peyote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that trip must have been great. Yeah, right. I'm majoring in peyote with a minor in tripping balls, dude. (laughs) I'm also taking an Italian class because honestly, beautiful language. Sharks, so stupid. I do think it's funny that... Like most college students, he's just going to spend four years doing drugs. (laughs) (laughs) And have a degree after it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 During his apprenticeship, Carlos learned all of the tricks and tools that a Yaki shaman has at their disposal. From divination that allowed him to see into the future to a ritual that he claims allowed him to inhabit the body of a crow so that he could soar far above the desert. I don't know why he chose a crow out of all of the other kick-ass animals you could inhabit in the desert, but I guess that's the one that he chose. And you know what? I'm not going to crow shame the guy. It's fine. Crows are pretty fucking cool. They are They're pretty black cool. Yeah, they loud. can fly. They can fly. I-, I heard that only one other person could... Uh, actually perform that same uh like ritual where they turn themselves into a crow and that was brandon lee oh that was gonna be cheryl crow (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna talk about that time there was that three-eyed crow that just ruined the ending of game of thrones (laughs) so maybe unsurprisingly the key to all of these rituals were hallucinogens like peyote Jimsum weed and psilocybin, aka magic mushrooms. And while we might find this a bit suspicious, Don Juan actually had a pretty good explanation. I'm Mario. That's why I have all the mushrooms. <laughs> That's why I speak Italian. <laughs> That's so why good. I speak Italian. <laughs> oh my god. These toxic plants work to break down your body's defenses so that your mind could move beyond what your physical being was capable of. According to Don Juan, 
These weren't hallucinations. You were seeing the other worlds and dimensions that ran parallel to our own. It literally just takes down the veil that your brain or eyes set up for you that keep you here in this one plane of existence and lets you see them all. Hell yeah, dude. Did you fucking yeah. take acid? You sound cool as hell right now, Todd. <laughs> I, I I toured in a band for a good number of years and hung out with a lot of people that did. <laughs> So I know the nomenclature. Yeah. It's crazy to me that you didn't drink. The other, uh, so uh, uh, peek behind the curtain. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm very close to being fully immune. Uh, I went and did, yeah, Todd just got vaccinated. He got his first shot today. Today, yeah. I wanted to write 5G on my arm, but the Band-Aid was too big. (laughs) Mondo and I got our second shots on the same day and then tried to schedule out the next month and a half of podcasts, (laughs) which was not happening. It was me being like, what day is May? I don't know. It was back and forth where we would be like, how does this day work for you? And the other one would just be like, I don't fucking care about anything thing honestly <laughs> just sure, do it fine i struggle with that on the horror virgin too but yeah i i, I uh, i'm fully vaccinated very close to being immune and uh i had a friend who invited me to come do a socially distant show um and he couldn't pay me in money he pays you in exposure i fall in tr- i fall in victim to that yeah well, a certain <laughs> form of exposure certainly he does sell acid so i did oh, perform stand-up okay. comedy in exchange for six tabs of acid and i'm okay very happy about this transaction so mondo can i confess something to you that i've not told anyone who is not in my close circle of friends yes and i am fine if you put this on the podcast i'll just it'll be our little secret your <gasps> listeners my close friends and family, and you two. The only drug I would ever consider doing is DMT. (gasps) Todd, when you come to California, I'm going to get you high on DMT, baby. Because of what it does. I'm super interested in that whole thing. I am fascinated by DMT because everyone sees the same thing. Yeah. Uh, But also, too scared to do it. Yeah. Todd, did you know they make DMT vapes now? Oh, Oh my God. I'll vape so hard with you, bro. Dude, fuck yeah, dude. I don't know how to say it. Is that is that is that what you say when you talk about vaping? You guys you guys try this new DMT jewel pod, dude? It's fucking <laughs> lit, dude. Hey, I gotta get to my sixth grade class. That's all I know about jewel pods is like little kids smoke them. <laughs> oh god. Uh, no, I hope not. Armando is the youngest one here and the only one with a jewel. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> you guys watch that new PewDiePie vid? <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) That's how I see you, young kids. So it wasn't long before Carlos was able to poke his mind into these other worlds without even needing the help of hallucinogens. And that's when Don Juan told him that his training was finished. He was officially a Nagual, which is the name for the assistant to a shaman. They're basically like the second in command, and they assist them in um, some of the bigger rituals in the Yaki version of shamanism. So he was essentially the assistant to the shaman. And I wrote this in here and it's so stupid because uh, technically shamans are regional. Uh, I was going to make the same joke. <laughs> Damn you. Damn you. He was Todd. Todd, do you want to do the honors? He was an assistant to the regional shaman. Yeah. Yes. Not an assistant to the regional or assistant regional shaman. No. Assistant to the regional shaman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's my question. His wife and kid just... Back in L.A. chilling? He, listen, he made a promise to them, and that promise was, I'm not coming back until I become a shaman or learn more about shamanistic stuff. So he's just keeping the promise he made them, and I think he's a man for doing that. Yeah. I'm not coming back until I get this packet of cigarettes, and then we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> this very specific pack, and I will be looking for it for the rest of my days. God. It sucks <laughs> that it's such a stereotype that so many dads leave when they go to try to get a pack of peyote. You know, it's so <laughs> so heartbreaking. But if my dad had just come back with an armful of cactuses, I'd have been so happy. <laughs> Dude, peyote's up to like 11 bucks a pack these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rumor has it my dad went out for peyote and then it's not that he left us, it's that he traveled to another dimension. <laughs> Plane of existence. Yeah. Uh, so now that he was in Nagual, he fully understood the rituals and he could finally share his findings with the world. Only now that he fully understood him was he allowed to do that. So it was finally time to write that thesis. 
1965, Carlos returned to Los Angeles to turn in his paper. He walked into his professor's office. And his professor was like, holy shit, you're still alive? <laughs> We've been marking you absent for four years. Yeah, you failed three years ago, just inactive. <laughs> you just never showed up to class. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, man. So he, he walked into his professor's office, tossed a large, dusty manuscript on the teacher's desk, and told him, quote, here, read this shit. <laughs> I do like the balls on this shaman. Yeah, that is the thing, because you're right. He he was gone for like fucking four years. Yeah. That means that he knew walking into this office that he was like, all right, Carlos, it's fucking go big or go home. They're not going to take your thesis if you're like fucking not convicted about it. I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to say, here, you read this. No, it's not aggressive enough. I'm going to say, read this shit, you fucking Bitch. No, that's too much. Too far. Too far. <laughs> I like how he no, workshopped no. it. He Pull like, back yeah, some. Yeah. Pull back. <laughs> that's too strong. Um, I also like that he hasn't paid tuition in four years. <laughs> so. But they did get the peyote he was mailing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are these envelopes so prickly? <laughs> so after he turned in his thesis paper, it was probably the quickest A that any UCLA student had ever received before. But there was more. Three years later, in 1968, it was selected by the University of California Press to be published as a full book. And Carlos titled his masterpiece, The Teachings of Don Juan, The Yaki Way of Knowledge. And almost instantaneously, it was a massive success. And this is kind of the point that I was talking about earlier, where if you don't remember uh, Carlos Castaneda or Don Juan, I guarantee you that if you ask your parents, they will remember, because the book was a fucking phenomenon. Carlos's book sold 16,000 copies a week in its first year. Whoa. Jesus. It got him on the cover of Time magazine. He became a millionaire and the country's most popular guru basically overnight. It turns out his book couldn't have come at a more perfect time. On this show, we've covered the 1960s a lot. It was a very weird time for America. The Vietnam War, the civil rights movement, and the birth of the hippies forced a lot of people to realize that we weren't really the good guys all the time, or maybe even ever. And honestly, this reality kind of sucks ass. But Don Juan and his sacred wisdom put forth ideas that really resonated with people. Of course this reality sucked, but right next to us, running parallel to our very existence, were different and better worlds and realities, ones that didn't suck total ass. Additionally, Don Juan's thoughts on accessing this reality sounded a lot like asking people to reject the status quo. Just because something has been one way for a very long time doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever. And the cherry on top? Well... The book was very pro-psychedelic drugs. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. A lot of hippies really like that it was pro-psychedelic drugs. That was a huge selling point for a bunch of people. Does not surprise me Perfectly at all. Yeah. Timed. No. Yeah. yeah. Also remember that around this time, Timothy Leary and Baba Ram Dass were starting up their Harvard psilocybin project. But in the public eye, hallucinogens were seen as kind of a party drug. But a respected anthropologist like Carlos gave them some sense of scientific backing. It was kind of like somebody co-signing your favorite drug and being like, well, it can't be that bad if it helps somebody do something this fucking powerful. And speaking of science and academics, remember how becoming a full-blown Nagual meant breaking one of anthropology's biggest rules? Well, his research was so good that people were even starting to rethink how much we needed to follow this stupid-ass rule. It seemed like the whole country had Castaneda fever. Carlos was hailed as a genius. His thesis led him to earning a doctorate. Everyone loved him and his book, except for one guy, a man named Richard DeMille. But it's not that he didn't want to like it. Richard tried wholeheartedly to read the teachings of Don Juan. He was really into spirituality, and he already had a few out there ideas. For instance, in the 1950s, he was the editor and personal assistant to some dude who went by the name of L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Oh, no. Richard had even written the Introduction to Scientology in 1953. And that's why this book didn't sit right with him. Because ever since he had left the group a while back, Richard had gotten very good at recognizing a distinct smell. The smell of bullshit. (laughs) And according to him, Carlos Castaneda was a fraud. And Don Juan Matus never existed. What? Oh, my God. And that's where we'll pick up next week with part two no! of our series on Tensegrity and Carlos Castaneda. <laughs> oh, no. This sucks. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So he didn't exist? Hang on. Hang on. So he just went to the, into the desert and got high on peyote for four years and wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it turns out that Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan are the same person, and that's how Project Mayhem yeah. works. Yeah. I knew this was Fight Club. Dude, I fucking got you. I don't. I want you to roll back this episode to the beginning, because in the very beginning of the episode, <laughs> I said the phrase, It's I'm paraphrasing here, but I said the phrase, shut the fuck up, Todd. All of this is real. Everything we're talking about today actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> you did. That's very similar to the the Fight Club episode when I said on that episode, oh, this is just Fight Club. And Paige goes, yeah, basically. I said exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Oh my god, that's amazing! It really is amazing. It was it was one of the craziest stories I've ever read. And while I was going through it, you know, I kind of did the same thing. Where while I was researching this guy, I read basically all of this stuff and assumed it was real. And then I came across the part where Richard Demille entered, and he was like, "Yeah, it's all bullshit." And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" God damn it! Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's a fucking wild story. And remember that there are so many mysteries that we haven't even gotten into. What was he doing in the desert? Who is Don Juan Matus? And whose body was found in 2003 in Death Valley? This is a fucking wild story. And I cannot wait to finish it out next week. And Todd, I really, really hope you're able to join us again. I'm so mad we don't record these back to back. Like, I have to, like, wait as long as the listeners do to find out. Like, I'm so mad right now. I'm legit going to be talking about this. And I'll have to be, like, I'll have to, like, make myself not Google it, which is going to be so difficult for me but i want to be the hardest part yeah i want to be like surprised and like in the moment when when you talk about it i don't want to be like oh yeah what about that time he met that lady and they did this or whatever like i don't want to be that ahead of it oh my god i'm so mad at you mondo (laughs) i can't wait to get into it because richard demille is also a fucking crazy person uh we haven't fully dived into a group uh, called Scientology. Don't know why we would. There's no real reason we would cover them. Um, Lawyers. <coughs> cough, cough, cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, are they are they a cult? <clears throat> no. What? No. <laughs> I mean, they have tax exempt status, right? So they're a church, right? They're just a fleet of yachts <laughs> that pay people forty cents an hour. How dare to follow you, Paige? a man who wrote How science fiction dare novels? You? They are going to find gold that he buried in past lives. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Oh, man, I can't wait till we eventually get yeah. to do that episode. God, I know two <laughs> things in this life. One, that Scientology is a very respectable religion. And two, that Tom Cruise is a very tall man. Very, That's- very big boy. <laughs> If yeah, if one of those is true, both of them are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Similarly, if one of those is false, then yes. the other one is also false. Via the yeah, transient yeah, yeah. property, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were also able to tell us uh, Armando's accurate IQ. So for that, we're forever grateful. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Exactly. Uh, but we haven't we haven't been able to fully cover the story. But at one point, L. Ron Hubbard uh, attempts to kidnap his ex-wife. This is the guy that helped him do it. This guy is so ingratiated into the early history of Scientology, and it's fucking wild. It is a wild story. Now, correct me if I am wrong. His ex-wife, Sarah. Yes. Correct? Yes. Sarah, ex-wife of Jack Parsons. Yes, the one that ran away with him in a yacht scheme. Yes, okay. Yeah, so this is the fucking guy that helped him pull that shit off. Well, pull that shit off (laughs) is kind of a eh, relative statement, but you guys know what I mean. I can't wait till next week. I will definitely be here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, th- 
thank you so much for joining us, Todd. This was absolutely so, love so, doing so, these. So great. So this episode is brought to you just like every episode by our proud sponsor, Don Juan Brand Peyote. Hey, does your life fucking suck ass? <laughs> Are you looking for a new flavor of Jewel Pod? That Do can- you hate your wife and kid and want to get away from them for four and a half years? Are you not afraid of being expelled after missing class for four years straight? Well, then may we suggest Don Juan brand peyote, the only peyote that'll turn everyone into a shark-hating Italian. (laughs) Hey, if it worked for Russ Tamblin. (laughs) (laughs) Deep cuts. You are welcome, Paige. You are welcome. Deep blue cuts. So, no, no, no. This this episode is actually brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donor. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Steve. Uh, Steve says, you can call me Steve. You may have heard of my friends, the Rhinoceros and the Hip Hop Apotamus. Be more constructive with your feedback, Steve. Could somebody please remove these cutleries from my knees? <laughs> best line of any rap song ever come at me oh no a lot of people are gonna come at you for that (laughs) those two are crazy their rhymes are bottom yeah that's what i hear flows that glow like phosphorus which doesn't glow it burns but whatever let's not get into it (laughs) okay fine i didn't know bobby was on the podcast this week damn (laughs) Paige and i are fully locked in a nerd off right now (laughs) mondo judging Yeah, now I gotta fuck both your moms. I take it back. I take it back. back. I take it back. I take it all back. I take everything I've ever done back. Um, No, if you if you want to check out our Patreon rewards that include uh, our bonus content as well as a bunch of other fun tiers as well, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. I think it's just five dollars a month to start and it really helps us do the things that we like to do. Uh, additionally, if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show, might we suggest Rooster Tea? I wanted to make a rooster noise, but I couldn't stop laughing at Todd. That's what they sound like, I was just trying to do the most ridiculous sound I could. Todd grew up on a farm. Guys, Todd grew up on a farm. Todd grew up on a a DMT farm. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Rooster Teeth is a fantastic place where you could find a bunch of amazing content, ranging from video stuff like Ruby and Red vs. Blue Mm. to a bunch of other really fun podcasts like uh, Red Web, Black Box Down, Good Morning from Hell, and, of course, the best one that they have, Colt podcast. What's up? What's, What's up? What's good? I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Blaine, fucking come at me, dude. Let's go. After that selfie I saw on Instagram, I'd let him come at me. <laughs> I was going to say, we're not plugging your Thunderdome match, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show. But I don't think we running, have, actually. It's a running joke between me and Blaine that we are planning our strategies for the inevitable Thunderdome match between he and myself. Um, and Blaine, if you're listening, buddy, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking kill you, man. I have a saying a bit. Stop being a joke. Ten ten m- months ago, I, you're dead. I have a bit. I have a bad pitch for you guys. So during that Thunderdome match, I climb on Paige's shoulders and I become like Master Blaster. <laughs> She's Tina Turner. I'm Master Blaster. There's no way this is not gold. I, I was gonna say I wasn't involved in the Thunderdome. I was backing Blaine's team just because endurance. But <laughs> whoa, first of all, that's bullshit. Second of all, Todd, where are you master blasting from? Uh, Tina Turner's My shoulders. shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I was asking, bud. What part of you is master blasting? That was his um, name. Yeah, but you know how he got it, right? He did a bunch of Bukaki films, and they were like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> a guy." Now, I'm out. I wanted that glittery dress that Tina Turner. Turner wears and that cool ass wig and now I'm out. That's a fair point. Yeah. This is because this is no longer a family oriented podcast and we're very sorry. You should bleep the blue cocky joke but leave all the jokes about you fucking my mom in. <laughs> oh like yeah, uncensored. This is, this is still an ad for Rooster Teeth by the oh, way. Oh shit, uh, sorry. Uh, Rooster Teeth, we put the cock in cock-a-doodle-doo. Um, you can download the app on a bunch of your devices like your Roku television, your Amazon Fire Stick, your Xbox, 
all of that shit. Uh, you can also just go to the website roosterteeth.com. All he has to do is un- like outrun you, bro. That's all he has to do. <laughs> no, because, okay, this is the same argument I've been facing since I was a fucking middle schooler. Everyone's like, all I got to do is outrun you. And it's like, that's not how you want to fight, buddy. That's not how you want to fight. That's how you run from a fight. And the problem yeah. with a dome is you can't. Where are you going to go? It's a dome. Where are you going to go? Is it going to run in circles? Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? trust? I have to stand in the fucking center of the dome and wait for you to come to me, and then it's fucking over. You guys did say that you could use bludgeoning weapons, which is why I recommended that you get knuckle dusters and Blaine get a golf club (laughs) 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 just to, like, close the gap. I don't think I should take the opinions of a person who just told me they were cheering for my death in the inevitable Thunderdome match. But thank you very much. You're welcome. I Hey, uh, you know what? We've been working together for a long time, <laughs> but I'm a realist. You had a good run. Honestly, you had a good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who are you going to bust? Anyway, so uh, if you, if you want to send me... Um, I don't know. If you want to send me tips and tricks on how to defeat Blaine Gibson in our inevitable Thunderdome match to the death, uh, then send those to me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Mondo Does Stuff. Uh, also, when this comes out this week, I think I will be performing some COVID compliant uh, comedy shows in San Diego this week, and so oh my old turf, twenty third and twenty fourth. Yeah, Todd, come out, come risk your fucking immunity. Let me <laughs> let me get my second shot. Then I'll come out to California. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I it took it took. I did not want to do anything at all, and now I'm fucking immune, and it feels weird. It's it's very uh, it's a very very weird feeling. I can't yeah, wait. Um, check I've my been, Instagram. Like, itching to roast again. I'm getting the fever. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope you're not getting the fever because that's a serious side effect. Right. Uh, no, but. no, no. I'm I'm good. Like, I feel great. Uh, great enough to make other people cry. And so. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're starting with you, Todd, you fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> what happened? You can find all of this information on my Instagram at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Hey, guys. Uh, you may have seen it if you follow me on social media, but I am writing a comic for Mutiny Magazine's first issue. I'm super excited about it. Yay! Uh, It is horror-themed and awesome. And you can actually find that on Kickstarter right now. I'll post the link on all my social media. It's fully funded, but they're about to hit their first stretch goal and seem to be cruising on through the rest of them. So uh, there's still time to get in if you want copies uh, or other fun perks and stuff that they have. Uh, Go ahead and check that out. And if you want to know where my social media is, if you want to find all those links and stuff, I am at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagrams and TikTok. And um, thank you to everyone who sent us mail. We got Girl Scout cookies and whoever sent us the pile of Remember Me DVDs. <laughs> You're the real MVP. That's amazing. Yeah. Can I plug some stuff? Sure, sure, sure. No, I'm just oh, thanking the shit. people who said this stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, My bad. You show plug up on it. our fucking show, start telling us what to do, how to run our shit. You want to plug your own fucking Patreon? Huh? You are a fucking <laughs> goat, huh? <laughs> anyway, thank you to Holly for the cookies. Thank you to Daisy for the stickers and the fun stuff. And whoever you are, mystery person that sent us all the Remember Me DVDs, thank you so much. You're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, now, Todd, you have 20 seconds to pitch your stuff. Go. <laughs> so if you want to listen to Paige and me on uh, the Horror Virgin, we can do that. She's a big fan of horror. She's doing a horror comic, and now we're doing it on Horror Virgin. Uh, if you want to follow me on social, it is at Todd J. Awesome pretty much everywhere. And if you want to send me tips and tricks on how to not get sick after the second vaccine shot, uh, how to feel those flu-like symptoms, please send me those because I'm going to get those that second vaccine shot soon. And I'm worried about Tip that. Tip number one, don't put your credit card on a live stream. Oh, okay. Well, like, listen, that's, that's, <laughs> man, I'm fucked. I already did that. Too late. Yeah, it's too late. Okay. Too All late. Right, well, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Also, <laughs> check out Paige and I and Mikey on Romancing the Pod, which is another podcast about movies where we talk about real life issues, Mondo. It's real life stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Both of those shows, by the way, Horror Virgin and uh Romancing the Pot are two of the funniest fucking shows that you need to be listening to if you're not already. Why thank I, you. I can't I can't tell you how many times I've just put on an episode and just fucking I God, it's so fucking funny. Especially and I, I don't I this is 
I don't want to be mean here. Um, I don't think it is, but I prefer romancing the pot. It is just yeah. a non-stop. A lot of people do. Yeah. My yeah. parents do. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Especially I if you don't it. like horror I love... movies. I completely get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just non-stop just because they all end so well. Like, you know they're going to be fine. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of a beautiful little show, and I like it a lot. It, it's 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 exactly what anyone needs if they're feeling down because of quarantine. It's I mean, other than a vaccine, uh, right. probably. I'm pretty sure Doctor Send Me Your Piss Anthony Fauci <laughs> right. um, said that after you get your first dose and your second dose, you got to go uh, listen to a bunch of romancing the pod. So go do yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Highly recommend. I mean, all the episodes, but I think one of my favorite is the Fifty Shades episode because oh Mikey God. gets so uncomfortable. Dude, his little <laughs> giggles when he's uncomfortable—it's my favorite sound he makes. It's not even like a real laugh. It's like, a <laughs> like it's, it's such a—it's so like cute. It is so cute. You have to listen to why it. Why did he get? Why is he uncomfortable? Because we're talking about the Red Room of Pain, and it's amazing. Because, because Todd and I are more worldly. <laughs> Let's just say Somehow. we've deeped into communities that Mikey has not delved into yet. That's not even real BDSM, but fine. I mean, if you've listened to my stupid vampire book, then you know I get weird sometimes. <laughs> I guess. They're not even real vampires, but I guess. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, no, 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 no. I uh, Yeah, go check out those shows. Uh, go check out Todd. Go check out his Twitch. It's really, really funny, and you can get some free stuff if you're quick. Oh, yeah, twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you want to follow our show, you can do so on uh, Instagram by following us at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us stickers or Girl Scout cookies or copies of Remember Me, <laughs> you can, <laughs> that's still the funniest thing ever. So good. Uh, you can send those to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And I think for this one, I'm going to say, don't drink the peyote uh, without <laughs> supervision, at least. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. 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 Why are these sharks are so stupid? <laughs> oh, somebody's in Death Valley. <laughs> <laughs>